Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report, your source for libertarian commentary on current events in the Ocean State and Southern New England. Coming to you from Rothbard Studios. Welcome back, and here we are with another episode of the Rhode Island Liberty Report. I'm Mike, and with me, as always, are Bill and Sean. How you guys doing? Fired up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is, yeah, this is getting, yeah, I'm ha- I've had enough. I'm done. <laughs> done? Like, we're, we're, like, we weren't, we weren't really serious before. You guys don't know the, the bear that you have poked. It's, we're, we're getting started. This is, this is the, the, we're turning a page here. Yeah. Yeah. If we had advertisers, we'd be demonetized after this episode. I think. <laughs> Fired up. That's good. And if you want to advertise, let us know. L- yeah, l- yeah. Let us know. Hey. Yeah. I-, I will say there were a lot of other people after our last episode, you know, personally coming up to me or sharing on social media that they shared a lot of the same sentiments. So that that's a little bit reassuring yeah. uh, in Rhode Island. Yeah. yeah, no, we got some good feedback on that last one too. And we're going to get into more of that because I think that's, you know, well, well the, the, the show will go how the show goes, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just certainly a hot topic right now. And it just, it's in your face and impacting us all at every level. Yeah. <laughs> These are the times we live and this is the time that they, you know, they talk about where you got to stand up and make sure that you're, you're taking care of what's yours because they're, they're looking to take it from you. And it's obvious. Yeah. Like, it can be more blatant. Like they're not hiding it anymore. No. No, but what they've had out in the open forever. If you guys want me to give you an update on the debt, of course. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, a recap for everybody. Every episode, we talk about one of the the largest issues in the state, the one of the more longer ones. Uh, we've got other issues going on these days, but our state debt is at eleven billion seven hundred ninety nine million six hundred sixty five thousand dollars and growing. Our spending is proportionally growing. Um, maybe a little bit faster um, than than the debt, but our our spending is at thirteen billion eight hundred ninety eight million six hundred sixty two thousand. Um, I, I find that very interesting. Uh, again, uh, no shocker, uh, we are still running a deficit um, with all the different funds that are coming in. But I wanted to, t- uh, we, we've been diving into some of the root causes of some of this stuff, and I saw a couple interesting articles lately I wanted to bring up. So one of them uh, was from uh, WJAR, and they had said, on your dime, Rhode Island lawmakers spend thousands on takeout during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So... We all know that when they're out there working in the state house and they got to, you know, order take in, I guess, at the state house uh, to, to feed themselves and the staffers and everyone that's testifying and stuff like that. Now, if they're working from home, why do they need takeout? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into a couple of those things. It's very frustrating, but in, in the article, just, just to highlight it real quick, they spent about 200 K on takeout. Oh, okay. hundred right? grand during the last session, right? Well, they're supporting small businesses, the restaurants. I now. get that. You know, they went to Tommy's pizzeria, Greg's restaurant and Angelo's pizza. So they steal the money from the business and then they give it back to them. When they- <laughs> <laughs> That's breaking their legs and giving them a crutch, right? Talk about broken window fallacy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's interesting because the house speaker had said that all this type of spending is a rarity. Um, but you know, it's just lemongrass from Warwick. It's nothing out of the ordinary. Most of the time we're ordering from Greg's or Chellum's, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, they're spending 200 K on takeout and, you know, we do have a part-time legislator and he tried to justify it saying, well, some people have health issues. We're working really hard for Rhode Islanders and some people have diabetes, so they have to eat. And I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, if, you know, if, if I was, uh, in that type of position, maybe I would pack a dinner, right? Yeah. <laughs> Take care and, of yourself, right? It, Make sure you don't die. I think the real issue is that they really got 
gotten into the uh, liquor delivery in Rhode Island since the pandemic. So that may be uh, accounting for a lot of that 200,000. I wonder if Myra Walsh has any insight into <laughs> she's, oh, not, she's not in an office anymore. No, so she can't give right. us those pearls of wisdom it's anymore. funny you bring up alcohol because <laughs> when the House Speaker was, when he was asked, would taxpayers think that's okay? The, the amount that the, you know, legislators are take uh, spending on takeout and catering on, on uh, you know on on our bill uh, he said I, I think they would well, I think they understand that we're not lavish about it <laughs> we're not using it for alcohol um, so, <laughs> so well, I, like they do in in, in regular years non-pandemic <laughs> years right so they but you know the, the interesting thing about that is some of that spending right so they, the the reason why they were getting the takeout and a lot of it they justify because they were in different locations this year <sighs> right so they weren't just chilling out uh, you know, in their normal place where we pay for to do business, right? They had actually uh, racked up uh, over $500,000 in rent from Rhode Island uh, College. And uh, I think at the, they had a lease over at the Vets Auditorium. Yeah, well, that's where the, the Senate was at uh, Rhode Island College, and mm-hmm. then the House was meeting at the Vets. Yeah, at the Vets, it cost over uh, 4K per day per week for this for that space so they're supporting the the performing arts then is is what you're saying oh I wonder if they get a grant. I, they probably one did. of those grants. Yeah. That we well, talked about it's the same thing with like the, the convention center when they redid the uh, air ventilation system for the uh, field hospital they built over there with no patients. Yeah. Right. This was all after they spent the hundred sixty six thousand dollars on the plexiglass. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. The plexiglass that they removed, by the way. Yeah. Well, they don't need it anymore. <laughs> they, they don't need it. So I don't know. I mean, if 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 people are like, why is the debt so high? Why do we spend so much? It's this multiplied by. A hundred, a thousand. There's multiple instances of this. This is just the lawmakers and they're just, that's the stuff on paper, right? Well, that well, we're able to show. Well, Governor McKee announced today, didn't he, that they haven't even spent some of the, the COVID money that they, uh, or any of it, right? <laughs> any of it? It? They haven't spent a single dollar. So this is just regular money that we're spending. Well, this it's, is, it's, so this goes back to the, the Rhode Island debt clock where we bring up and yeah, this is it. It's <laughs> funny you say that. Remember, if you guys remember for a few episodes ago, we talked about some of the, the, the rent programs and the mortgage programs mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the homeowner's mortgage one that we were waiting to see if we could all get in on, right? The one that was like up to 50K per person. It's uh, delayed uh, uh, until October. Okay. Uh, they, they pass all the deadlines and uh, yeah, they're waiting to get some extension from the uh, the treasury to be able to spend those monies that they've had for probably a year now. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's not just because of the contracts or the portals is it's the inefficiency of the government to be able to hand out aid, but they'll, they'll, they'll take anybody else's money and, and, and move it around. They'll take your money. Yeah. They're making money on it, uh, investing it while they're holding on to it, deciding how they're going to spend it uh, on the COVID relief too. So uh, that money, where's that money going? I heard they're supposed to have a special session. I, the, the McKe- we talked about, it, I think last episode, McKee, he had submitted some sort of preliminary plan of like we don't know what we're going to spend the eleven or the one point one billion dollars on, but here is the core areas that we're going to do for state recovery. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think they have to follow up on that. So I, I, it was also uh, kind of talked about today on the radio from a couple of different sources. They're not going to have that fall session. They're going to be a couple of committee meetings. So, uh, oh really? I didn't. Yeah. Hear that. That, that, so so here we are with uh, we're not going to find out all this stuff until what? Not even an open Zoom. Yeah. Well, they're not going to. No, they're not. And the speaker's not calling the the House and the Senate president isn't calling the the Senate back into session. They got used to doing everything behind the curtains. Why why would they let the riffraff in? Exactly. And then they'd have to worry about, you know, letting the public into, you know, the 
see oversee the people's business in the in their uh, elected uh, House of Representatives here. Right. So the dirty public, right? With you know, with the contagion, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. unvaccinated. Yeah, <laughs> the undesirables. <laughs> they don't want to wear masks. No. <laughs> well, you know, uh, may, maybe they won't go to Greg's as often. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll <laughs> mix up the restaurant. No. Unbelievable. It is. You know, it's funny too. They, you just mentioned they delayed that thing, right? But they're not going to delay, you know, if you, if you forget to register your car, you know, send in your registration and suspend in your, (laughs) there's no delay in that, right? So I I just had, you just popped in my head. So I I just had a kid and obviously I'm a new father. Uh, He's under a year old and uh, I have a pickup truck, has two seats. Um, so I needed something to put the kid in the back seat with, you know, I need a, a little car. So I bought a little Toyota Corolla and I parked my pickup truck in the park, in the, the driveway. And I haven't been driving it a lot because I, it yeah. only has two seats. Um, and I got noticed from the DMV, my inspection sticker re- re- expired and they're going to suspend my registration because my, I haven't been driving it. Why does it need to be inspected to be on the road? I don't know. So I had to get, I had to make a special trip in my car. Go get inspected. <laughs> I wasn't driving it. Right. I think I had to jumpstart that. Yeah, jumpstart the battery to get the thing started. Anyway. Just a quick side. <laughs> and Sean, I don't know if you ran into this when you were uh, in the, in the military, uh, you know, living in different States and whatnot. I've lived in several States where I didn't need a registration or uh, inspection sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the car, Cars kind of ran fine. Yeah. Like there was no issue. Somehow. I don't <laughs> Somehow. Know. I don't know what I happened. I need an inspection sticker <laughs> yeah. to make sure the car is safe for the roads. Has anybody seen the roads in Rhode Island lately? Oh, right. I, mean, <laughs> like, I wouldn't need to get my car inspected <laughs> if my, you know, the suspension wasn't about to fall exactly. out from underneath the car. You know, yeah, the, the, muffler, the muffler fell off a while back. But yeah. <laughs> One of the worst things I ever did when, when I got stationed here in Rhode Island uh, was registering my car uh, mm-hmm. in Rhode Island. I figured, you know what? It would save me a trip. I don't have to like email or, or mail out anything. I, I was previously in Georgia and they, yeah. they didn't care about anything. Yeah. Right? Well, well, we have a state yeah. senator that was living in Georgia and she got elected to the office in Rhode Island and she didn't change her license or her registration. Oh no, she changed her registration. But then she got into a car accident at Rhode Island College and lo and behold, that her license still had Georgia, even though she was an elected representative. Oh, it was I that, heard that. That, that was the uh, the Mac. Uh, it was the the Mac girl, the, the fierce one that uh, Jean Valsani got in call in trouble for for calling him. Uh, she was one of the progressive okay. uh, Senate uh, candidates that got elected to the state house. Uh, they were meeting in Roger Williams. Uh, she got into an accident in the parking lot, and she reported the claim. And the car is registered in Rhode Island, but her license she never changed. It's never licensed. It was so like thirty days, I think. If you it's, it's ninety days. It was ninety days. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. she she's been she yeah, forever, right? She got hey, she ran for office. She ran for office. She filed all the necessary paperwork to run for office. I think there's some deadlines and things you got to keep it. But anyway, I think she might. Was she part of the political? We'll, we'll talk about we'll that. Talk about that. All, right, all right, I'll look it up. I'll do some I research just, while we're talking. Yeah, that's all I got for that. Though. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. So so the economy is basically crap, right? <laughs> we can all agree on that. And uh, you know what's really going to improve the economy? What's that? Is the progressives' new plan the really? uh, political co-op for the? You know, it used to be fight for fifteen. Now, guess what? It's fight for 19. Inflation's a bitch, huh? <laughs> yeah. So they want, they want, exactly right. They, they want to increase the, now they just got the $15 over the next, what, three, four years. Yeah. Now they, they, it's, they've upped it. They've already upped the ante. It's 19 bucks an hour. Like, yeah. So I, I just, I just saw this on Twitter. Uh, the Rhode Island Political Co-op, it's a group of, you know, Uber progressive, you know, candidates, and apparently they've um, got fifty candidates that they're that they're sponsoring or or endorsing, and um, all of them 
will fight for a bold, progressive agenda, a Green New Deal, universal health care, quality public education, a $19 minimum wage, racial justice, and affordable housing. That's their, their platform that they're running on. Wow. I don't think they have 50 candidates yet. Their goal is 50 candidates. If you go to the website, oh, okay. they don't They don't have it. Yeah, I just, so I'm just reading this. It says, we're so excited to announce that we'll be running 50, yes, 50 candidates for 2022. So maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's their goal. That's their goal. Because okay. you go check out their website. Now, uh, there's one of the candidates that ran last year time around who's yeah. who's not very happy with he's a little disgruntled no, right he is, and he is. you know there's an article there was an article in the, the boston globe and an op-ed, op-ed that he wrote that he was unhappy with the way he was treated and the funds that he had to put into the the dues they call them in the rhode island political cooperative i don't know if this is their uh their, their version of taxes in, in the cooperative or anything <laughs> like that but he felt the value he got for the money he put into the cooperative didn't match the value he got for Get the out. campaign expenses from the political cooperative mm. so uh, the, the Brandon Porter or whatever his name is, um, but he he had some some uh, some some tough things to say about the uh, the motives and uh, the uh, the authoritarian nature of the political cooperative, where there was a, a centralized authority that was making all of the decisions for the members, and how some of the political cooperative were uh, having to double their efforts in fundraising to fund some of the other candidates that maybe had a better chance of winning or maybe uh, needed more help in their campaign. Well, from each according to their ability to each according to their need, right? Well, it's tough. You know, it's in practice, you know, it doesn't really work out a lot as, as, as they, they envision. And, and sometimes the, the candidates, he obviously got elected. So, um, you know, he he deserves to pay a tax to the, the candidates that were not elected to make sure that they were able to have a shot at election. I mean, come on, this is what their whole philosophy they're running on. I mean, this is it in practice. You you mean to tell me there's trouble in paradise is is what you're saying? Well, that, that's the article. So they do mention that what you're talking about just briefly. So when you're saying that it's representative Brandon Potter from Cranston, um, apparently the way they describe it in the, in the globe, and it's an article by Ed Fitzpatrick. Um, he said, fired a shot, fired a shot heard around the Twitter sphere on Friday when he wrote a commentary piece in the globe, which I've not read that article. So I'll go back and try to find that. But, um, yeah, he's, he blasted the co-op as toxic to Rhode Island progressive movement. Um, and, uh, yeah, he said, uh, a key decision, uh, see, so claim co-op members, um, don't have a say in key decisions and must pay membership dues for campaign services that are for the most part, never delivered. So that's interesting, but it, it goes deeper than that apparently. So just in the progressive movement in general, there seems to be this, this divide that's forming, um, and it's it kind of it's kind of a little ironic being libertarian, you know, us being libertarians here. We always, you know, there's always that 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 argument if you're not libertarian enough, and there's a there there is infighting. But I think that takes place in every political. But I, it's just funny how there's there's a um, this is more proof that it, just, it happens everywhere. But um, so the progressives are basically claiming some progressives aren't progressive enough, and they're going to start primarying some of them. One of them being um, <laughs> so, so of these fifty people that they want to put up, um, one of them is. Uh, Jennifer Jackson. Um, so she's going to be challenging Senator Don Ewer from Newport. Um, again, she's not progressive enough, even though she's the one to sponsor the Act on Climate that we talked about a couple. You know, one of that, well, that they insane. They have fifty candidates that they have to get into office, so they're going to have to cannibalize a little bit of their own. Yeah, that. <laughs> but because they're doing that, that pissed off Aaron Regenberg, who is another hardcore commie, right? Like so. He's now mad, saying, um, someone dedicated my career to climate action. I find it wild that... Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
He dedicated his what? He's a trust fund kid. What is he? he, he he's dedicating his career wait, to climate action. He worked action. for Jorge Halorza in as a in as the mayor of Providence. Has he had a real job in his entire? He's dedicated his career. Who the hell is Aaron Regenberg? He was a rep for a little while, Jeez. and he ran for lieutenant governor. He ri- he lived off his trust fund and the fifteen thousand dollars salary he had. Like, give me an effing break, dude. Who the hell is Aaron Regenberg? He's a political hack. <laughs> Christ. So he finds he finds a, wa- a wild yeah, that an ostensibly climate-focused group is primarying Don Ewer, a senator most instrumental in passing the strongest climate statute we've ever had while leaving an actual anti-climate Dems, Dems unchallenged. So he's upset. He's he's not happy. Um, and this is a, a group, Matt Brown's in this group. So And he just announced that he's going to be running for governor. So, um, Wait, Juan, didn't Matt Brown leave the last campaign for governor with a huge... Uh, accounts payable debt to all of the vendors who supplied his campaign. Is he going to repay those vendors before he runs for governor again? Or is he just starting over? Hey, wait, 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 hey. Pull up his campaign I, finance geez. reports. Yeah. Hey, if anybody, any listeners want to do some homework with us, right. let us know. We'll, we'll need some fact checkers for this. <laughs> so he chairs this co-op and his co-chair is this Jennifer Rourke person. And she posted another tweet. Boy, are the faux-gressives upset today. Is what she <laughs> <laughs> the faux-gressives is a new term, I guess, yeah, coming, out of, coming out of this group. But um, yeah, so they said you were voted on uh, to confirm three deeply conservative appointees to the Coastal Resource Management Resource Management Council, uh-huh. which you have some experience I with. Know a lot about that. Um, yep. So that's one of the things that pissed pissed them off. Um, uh, we have been clear from uh, we have been clear from the beginning uh, that our mission is to oust the political establishment and win a governing a governing majority that will work for all Rhode Islanders. A governing majority that, a majority that will work for all Rhode Islanders. I have a feeling that no matter who they put up, they're not going to be working for me. No. I, 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 no. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say you guys either. But that yeah, sentence right there is an oxymoron, right? It, like it's, it's, it's unbelievable, <laughs> right? Like that's their mission statement according to this uh, this um, Rook character. But uh, yeah, so uh, I thought it was just interesting. So, so there is is some. Um, uh, some interesting stuff going on there. The fifth, uh, and then the big thing is the the minimum wage. So Brown, govern this you know guy running for governor, called for increasing the minimum wage to nineteen dollars an hour. Fifteen dollars an hour was a good idea when it came out fifteen years ago. <laughs> he said, but the cost of housing has gone through the roof, and the cost of healthcare has gone through the roof. This is not, oh, that is not a living wage. You know what else has gone through the roof recently? The printing machines yes, at the, the Federal Reserve. the printing machines at the Federal Reserve have gone through the roof right now. You are stealing the wealth of the people, the savings of the people that you are saying and, the, and reducing the purchasing power of the people you are trying to help by raising the minimum wage. You guys are fully full of shit. I, that's that's all I can say. It's just, oh. yeah. I'm just going to end, end it on a couple of quick things. So, you know, that it's just, it's just amazing how economically illiterate they are, but uh, let's do a hundred dollars uh, an hour. Yeah, well, I think we've tweeted that out, uh, you know, just, just go with, I just said 50, I think in, in the tweet, shit. but you know, why not? Yeah. Why not a thousand dollars an hour? Just if it's going to, um, it, we could solve world hunger. Yeah. It just increased the minimum wage in all the countries around the world. And, and there you go. All it takes is printing more dollars. I mean, it, they don't even have to print dollars anymore. They just create them in it's it, digits, it, digits in, in like codes, binary ones and zeros. Why yeah. we could just end world hunger just like that. So there is also another battle, <laughs> a battle taking place. Um, the October 5th primary for the, for the state Senate, uh, state Senate 
District 3 seat that Gail Golden vacated when she went to go work for Biden's administration. It's a five-way Democratic primary. So the co-op is backing Gina Pham, but the Rhode Island Working Families Party, which we, Bill, has a very familiar uh, relationship, or not relationship, but uh, knowledge of, um, they're backing someone different. Yeah. So well. they're backing, backing Brett Jacob, uh, whoever that is. But, um, and then, so there's a splinter. Uh, so it's just interesting. Um, what was the name of it? Uh, uh, the, 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 the wild way, the wildlife foundation, the, the Rhode Island, Econ- uh, the Sierra club, the Sierra club. Yep. Who are they, who are they backing? Oh, it doesn't say, <laughs> oh, it doesn't yeah. say well, we have to oh, check that out. Yeah. Did they take any money from their account? Do they have a treasurer? Who's the treasurer? <laughs> yeah. Is there a treasurer that's funneling any money? I wonder if Brett Jacobs, their treasurer. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and it, anyway, I'm just going to cl- <laughs> close with this is in this battle for pragmatism versus revolution, the stakes are high. So anyway, <laughs> so I thought that was kind and, of and interesting. And you know, this is what we talk about, everybody. And, you know, let's take the hat off of the uh, the, the podcast uh, host here and, and talk about, um, you know, running for office as a libertarian. I'll, t- I'll put my chairman hat on here and say that, you know, the difference between libertarians and progressives is, is that libertarians think away and we don't force our beliefs on other people. It's antithetical to our beliefs to try to sit here and enforce our ideology on other people. We try to educate, we try to inform, and we try to persuade people to get to our side voluntarily. Uh, therefore, it's difficult to find people who are going to come out and run for office under the libertarian banner just because by our very nature, we're not involved with the political structure. We're not involved with government. We don't. We think very poorly of government. So why do we want to get involved? The flip side of that coin is, is that these progressives, these leftists, these people who are, are trying to take over our state, they don't care. They're going to run for office. They are going to get these seats. And if we don't get candidates that are going to stand up and run against these people, they're just going to take over the state and we're going to be living with the consequences. So if you are liberty minded, if you're somebody who agrees with a lot of the the points of view and things that we're talking about on this podcast, you don't know enough about the Libertarian Party. uh, We have the resources and everything that we can put in place to help you run for office. Reach out. Let us know. Uh, That's my uh, plug. And uh, yeah. yeah. And and even if politics isn't, we've said this from day one, even if politics isn't your game and you are more of an activist and you have an issue based, you know, um, uh, motivation, you know, start a group, start a, you know, and, and we'll help you with that as well. So um, outside of the party, right? Like there, we'll get involved in that as well. So um, we're here to just build the movement really. I hear it. No, you guys very well said. Uh, before we move to the next topic, I just want to pull up a quote from uh, the, the White House press secretary because I, I find that it's very interesting. You know this this drumbeat and, and and where this all kind of trickles down. Where you know at at the local level, these things affect us, but it's everyone's kind of going towards these notions. And you know, one of the things she said today was that it's unfair and absurd that companies would raise costs for consumers due to higher taxes. Unheard of. That's just, uh, come on, like, like do your part, co- companies. Like, yeah, just suck it, it up. Just get on board. Right. Yeah. It's absurd. You yeah. know, it's, you, it's, you run your business to pay, you know, for, for everything else that, 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 you know, only, the, only, the government needs. Yeah. That, that's the only reason you're in business. Only the government is allowed to pass the cost on to the taxpayers. You're not, as a business owner, allowed to do that. I mean, that's just such a, a, a screwed up way of thinking 
I, I, I can't even, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Even like, uh, you know, when, when you when we think about deep cronyism, right, they, they, they view taxes as a, a cost of doing business, right? And, and it really is because it's something that's imposed so, on you. So that it's, you know, they, uh, well, it's part of the social well, contract. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me give you another perspective because, uh, anybody that, uh, you know, follows any of this nonsense with modern monetary theory and all this other stuff. Um, I, I got into a recent exchange, uh, on Twitter with some modern monetary theory hack, uh, I won't get into the details of that, but uh, just trying to under wrap my head around what the hell he was telling me. I, I was, you know, googling modern monetary theories. He was out there, you know, what, what what can I learn about what the hell they're trying to like try to understand where they're coming from, and the best information I could find was this convoluted picture of a sink. And they literally had like little people standing around the sink. And like, you know, there was like one person that was in charge of the stopper to stop the flow. And then there was like a drain. And then there was the government here to control the money supply. And then taxes, listen, taxes is to drain money from the economy to battle inflation. That's what that's. That's what it's for. So if we get too much money and we're causing inflation, that means that we don't have enough taxes. And we need to charge people more taxes to get that money out of the system. And it just made absolutely no sense to me because I sit there and I think about like the 2008 bailouts and and the the Goldman Sachs and all this other the BS that went on and everything like that. All that so money. This is good for the economy. Yeah, it's it's good for the economy. <laughs> All this money, it didn't go to the taxpayers that now needed to have this extra money. You know, the Bush, what was it, six hundred dollars, the Bush tax cut, yeah. whatever the hell it was. That money didn't need to be drained from the economy. It was all the 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 bank owners and the 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 people that were getting the bonuses and all the other ba- banks being bailed out that got all this money. Where did that money go? Did that money get drained from the economy? No, that's 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 what we call. There's a difference between earnings and wealth. And this is what the, the the people who are proponents of this stuff, these are the people we're contending with. These are the people who are looking to get into office. They're having success, they're winning, and they're funneling this nonsense into the the zeitgeist of our state and and and, and just corrupting just normal like principles that have been the foundation of our, our economy and our government and our way of life for centuries and and not to be the conservative because God knows that us as libertarians are not trying to conserve a lot of the stuff that's been going on in this country for the last, you know, 200 years or whatever the hell it is. But, but, but let's talk about some of the, the greater norms that, you know, that people function. We're living in a society, people like these are the norms that are, that people are accustomed to living with. And they're trying to just explode everything up and just, and, and, and set us back to some twisted version of, of the stone age where you have, uh, these, these, these Kings and serfs. And that's, 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 that's really all it is. At the political class and yeah. Yeah, And everyone else. So, well, that's, uh, that's all I have on the on the on the progressive front. <laughs> those those guys. Wow. So yeah, we well as we said earlier in the in the podcast, we had some very interesting um, feedback on the the COVID stuff. So we'll probably start talking about that. But Bill, you had a, a, a very 
a heartbreaking it, experience, to be honest, from what I understand, but I don't have the full story. So yeah. So I, I, I haven't told you guys the full story yet. So you guys will be hearing this in real time with our listeners. But, um, you know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, um, a new father and my, my, my son. And, um, I, I want to preface all of my comments because this is not what this is about. I want to direct my anger at the, the appropriate party, which is, uh, the state, whether it be the state of Rhode Island or the federal government, whoever it is, those are the people I'm, I'm facing. It's not, my anger is not focused on uh, my daycare provider. It's not focused on my pediatric pr- provider of my son, uh, my doctors, my nurse practitioners that I work with, uh, all the people that work in the hospitals. Uh, they're doing the best that they can to deal with a bad situation. So this is no means an attack on them. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I'm very raw and sensitive about it. This is my new son. He's under a year old, uh, my first child, and it's very upsetting. But um, just to give you a little backstory, um, he's learning to crawl. Mm. And uh, we have hardwoods in our fo- our home. We don't have carpets. So he's really getting a hard time with the knees, hands type thing. So he's doing more of an army crawl than anything else. Uh, we send him to daycare three days a week. And just so happens, uh, the daycare called us and we were supposed to send him in. And he said we had to shut down or the daycare had to shut down because of COVID protocols. Now, what had happened is a number of the teachers at the daycare had cold-like symptoms. Now, flash forward, end of the story, They none of them ultimately tested positive for COVID. Right. But because they had the symptoms, they had to stay home. And, and we, I think we talked about this last time. It's one symptom, right? You have yeah. a runny nose and there you go. You're shut down, right? Like it's, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Step two, uh, because of regulations for daycare providers and everything like that, you need to have a certain ratio of children to uh, teachers. And so they need to be within those ratios. Enough of the teachers had COVID-like symptoms, cold symptoms. Uh, They forced them to stay at home. They shut down the entire daycare for the week. As a parent, I could have told you they had cold symptoms before I got called because I caught the cold symptoms from my son. (laughs) It's this is the nature of having a new kid in daycare. This is part of the reason why you send him to daycare. I could expose him, you know, yeah. Yeah, get build the immune system. This yeah. is what was healthy about, you know, living in a society before all this BS happened. Anyway, so he's home for the, the week because it's shut down and I'm spending more time with him because he's home for the week. And I start to notice he had this thing on his arm, on the inside of his arm, on the inside of his elbow. And where he was crawling on the ground is where it was from. It first looked like a mosquito bite, then it looked like a blister. And then the thing popped open. It was like almost like a boil almost a little bit. Yeah. And it was looking pretty bad. And so he'd been home. I've been home with him all week and he hasn't been at daycare. So I've been following this thing. And I call up the pediatrician and I explain to them what's going on on the phone. And they say, all right, well, yeah, we can come in and take a look at everything. And then what do they do? They ask me, have you been experiencing any COVID symptoms? (laughs) I said, well, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I have a cold. I have a runny nose, a bit of a sore throat, but it's a cold. I know it's a cold because... Right. I, I've had COVID. I, <laughs> Just, I, 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 not, to, not to disclose my personal medical information, but I had COVID. This is not COVID. Yeah. It's a cold. Actually, the colds, I, I've had two bad colds since my son's been in daycare. I can tell you both colds were worse than COVID. Now, I don't want to sit here and say this is a universal experience with COVID, but my experience as a young, healthy 38-year-old is that the two colds I got from my son from daycare were worse than COVID. Um, anyway, so now uh, they go, oh, ask me a million questions. You, you, you can't come to the main office. You got to go to the annex. Now, as uh, being a 38-year-old millennial of a certain age, uh, immediately when I think of the annex, I think of the office and I think of Toby 
Kelly and Ryan and all the other uh, malcontents uh, being shoved back in the second rate uh, <laughs> office workers uh, yeah, on the yeah, hit yeah. show of the office <laughs> yeah, back yeah. in the annex. Okay. And so I show up to the annex and it's the whole ordeal. They got it. I swear, this is a dingy office. I go in there. They have the first nurse that comes in, and she's taking his temperature. The temp, the thermometer is old, so it's taking forever. To, like you know, a, a squirmy, uh, you know, thing is is taking the temperature. It's probably hard to do all that when they're wearing a hazmat. Oh, suit they, they had the full getup, the 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 plastic shield over their face, and all this other stuff. And and the other thing is, do you think they put their A team doctors in the annex? and risk them getting exposed to COVID and shutting down their practice because they don't have that. No, they put, and again, nothing against nurse practitioners, but I'm, I'm out there with a nurse practitioner and some other person who's who's probably loving this whole entire assignment. They, oh, virtu- I, I work in the special COVID annex in a pediatrician's ward, and you don't know all the children I see, and I get to wear all the equipment, and I get to look at everybody and ask them all the questions about COVID, and, I, you know, and they tell all their friends about it, and they say, oh, what are they, and you're vaccinated too. Thank and you, you for and, your service. And you wear the mask. Oh, right. Yeah, it just it just turns all those people on. So you Some, get sometimes I wear two masks. <laughs> it self selects the people because I could tell. I again I, I was wearing the mask and but I could tell. And they we've were, said this before. You can spot these people. Like yeah. So I'm sitting there in the office and they're trying to take my son's temperature and it's taking forever. Now I, I like. Christ, after everything that's happened with the damn pandemic, can you not have a fast acting thermometer of all things? What's the number one symptom of COVID is a fever. God, we're in the COVID annex and I got this old damn thermometer waiting. My son's screaming. Anyway, the they pers- have those touchless ones now. You just go boop. <laughs> the nurse practitioner comes into my office. She starts asking me a million questions. Your daycare got shut down because of COVID. They haven't called you yet with the results. They haven't done this. They haven't done this. Mm. I was in this office for 30 minutes before they finally looked at my son's arm and looked at it. And the nurse's eyes widened. She goes, oh, that looks bad. We're going to have to prescribe some antibiotics from that. I say, okay. And so we get the antibiotics. We leave. We go on our merry way. Take the antibiotics. A week goes by. Uh, It seems to clear up. It's still a little bit of a red mark, but no big deal. Another week goes by. And... All of a sudden, it's Sunday night into Monday morning, and my son develops this crazy rash on his face. Again, you can't go to the doctor normally anymore. You got to do these call-in consultations and stuff like that. I'm talking to a nurse. I'm asking the nurse all the questions. It it looks kind of bad, but I I don't want to bring him in for just everything. It, It might just be a rash. Does he think it has anything to do with the thing on his arm? What thing on his arm? This phone consultation, you're not even looking at his damn chart. Like, right. what the hell is going on? The thing that was on his arm that I was just in there last week for. She pulls up this chart. Oh, no, 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 no. That was impedigo. That was, that's not related to it. I go, oh, all right, whatever. So then my mom comes in later in the day and she's looking at him. She goes, no, he looks bad. You, you, you got to bring me. I'm like, Let's call back up the doctor again. Get him on the phone. I'm like, listen, he's getting worse. We, I got to bring him in. Someone has to take a look at him. Well, uh, we, we can get you in, but we, it's it's uh, 4.45 and the only one we have available for you is a nurse practitioner. All right, whatever. Go back to the pediatrician's office. I'm in the waiting room. My son's, his face is peeling. Like it's like, it's bad. He's crying, he's screaming. And I'm waiting there for 20 minutes. They get me in the room. I'm sitting there talking to the nurse practitioner and I could barely have a conversation with him because he's screaming so much. She starts looking in his ears. She goes, oh, he has an ear infection. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, He's got a rash all around his mouth, like, and on his thing. Like, what do you mean there's an ear infection? Like, this spread. To, oh, yeah, I could do that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, what I'm thinking is, is ultimately that he's been crying for 30 minutes. He didn't realize how red his skin was because he's red from crying. Right. 
So she prescribes him more antibiotics, go home again after going to the doctor twice, calling them on the, the console line and stuff like that. And we give him the medication for two days. He's not getting any better. And, and, and this is where it gets to be upsetting because, you know, you have a, a, under a one year, a one year old kid, and they can't talk to you. They can't tell mm-hmm. you what hurts. Yeah, they can't tell you what's bothering them, and it, it, it's painful. It's it, just by the nature of what the symptoms that I can visibly see, and like you just don't want your son to be going through that. And again, I'm a new parent. I'm not experienced with this stuff. I, I I'm just this is the first time for me. Yeah. So. After two days and he's not getting any better, I, I go, you know what? We got to get him back in. This time my wife says, you know, she took the day off of work. So now, that's, this is, let's back up a second. This is now how many days off of work that I have. And let me just tell you that fast forward that here we are. This is now the eighth or ninth day that I've been out of work uh, or maybe, well, not eight, eight or ninth day total. So what, four or five days out of work that I've been concentrating, taking care of my son instead of sending him to daycare, like I, I still have regular stuff. I'm an independent insurance agent. I got renewals coming up. Yeah. People, clients are calling me like, you know, I, and not to, 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 that's not what the important thing is though. But you know, this is what the, the issue is. It's all just starts backing up. Yeah. 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 My, my wife takes an extra day off because I need to catch up on my work and she's going to take them to the hospital, back to the pediatrician. She takes them in there. Both doctors, two doctors that were on call in that time, go into finally see my son. They, we've only seen nurses and nurse, and again, nothing wrong with them. Right? That's, that's fine, but they're not a doctor. The two doctors come, they console, they go over the whole thing, they prescribe them stronger antibiotics. I have to go back to the thing, I had to throw out. I, I only used two days worth of the first antibiotics. I had to throw out that and get a new thing. And he's he's finally getting better. He's finally. What ended up happening was they confirmed that the the thing on his arm. Mm didn't either have enough dosage or high enough dosage or a long enough period to s- completely do Knock the it out, and, yeah. and then what are the number one there's three things they tell you about antibiotics and uh, this will be a public service announcement for our listeners right first <laughs> of all they always tell you to finish the antibiotics you don't finish the antibiotics they they become stronger yeah. worse than it was that's that's what happened to my son the second thing they tell you about antibiotics is don't go in the sun if mm. you're in it because it affects your ability you get really bad sunburn with antibiotics you know that Sean? No, I don't you didn't. Know. Yeah, I've heard. Yep. The number three thing is even more important than the sunburn thing. And do you guys know what the number three thing we're mm, No. If you're an unmarried individual and your significant other is on birth control, uh, birth control, and they're taking antibiotics, mm. please know that the birth control is rendered ineffective by the antibiotics. That's important to know. So. Yikes. You're welcome to all the the unmarried men out there because yeah. this is this is helping you on the Liberty Rhode Island podcast. They did not teach me that in public school. Right. Oh. No, they did not. So just to let you know, I have three sisters. This is why I know this because this, this is something <laughs> that was drilled into my family. Um, just because again, this is you get uh, you know a, a, a toothache or a, you know some type of something that you're going to need yeah. to have antibiotics for. Watch out. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I kind of derailed my train of thought with that. But anyway, so they so we had under-prescribed antibiotics. They finally prescribed a, a strong enough antibiotics. They were limited to their options on what antibiotics they can prescribe because he'd already taken a couple rounds of other antibiotics. So again, and and this is my whole point. Again, this is not directed at the daycare because they didn't do anything wrong. They they followed the protocols that were required based upon their licensing. They're going to get they shut down. Forced to, yeah. to do. Yeah. If they don't follow the protocols, they're going to get shut down. 
Uh, same thing with the doctors and the pediatricians. You know, they have medical licenses. People have to follow the guidelines as provided by the CDC. They also have professional liability insurance, where if they're not following standard operating procedures as approved by these national bodies or whatever it is, they could actually be held liable for their professional conduct. So I'm not blaming any of them. What I'm blaming is, is the confluence of events that this government, the state government, this federal government has put into place, which has number one, created a staffing issue where we don't have enough uh, people that are working in the offices where we don't have the staffing and the resources to respond to phone consultations and things like that. Uh, the regulations that are implemented in the insurance industry, the health insurance industry, uh, one of the big things that's a problem at my pediatrician is that they're driving people into these phone consultations, but the health insurance isn't set up to cover phone consultations because mm. uh, it hasn't been considered. Uh, so the, the rates haven't been adjusted. And so a lot of people are paying out of pocket and they even have signs in the office saying, don't hesitate to call the office because you're afraid of making a payment. Like people are delaying care. I, I'm, I haven't gotten the bill for how many was it four appointments and phone consultations and all this other stuff like that. It's going to be a big number. If somebody is deciding whether or not to call the office because that expense is going to be like, something they're going to have to bear personally. Not to mention that now your son or daughter is staying home from from school or daycare, and now you can't work as a result, and that you have to make that decision. You're compromising. So let's talk about this for in grand schemes here real quick. And this is what pisses me off more than anything else. What are the odds of my son contracting and getting seriously sick and dying from COVID-19? Virtually none. Virtually none. Yeah. So let's effing ignore the staph infection on his arm right. and the, the pneumonia and the, the Mercer and the blood infections and I mean, all the serious other- problem. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, God, like, can you focus on what's important and not ask me for 20 minutes about my COVID symptoms when I know I have a cold and focus on what's important on my son? Can I go see a real doctor instead of being forced to the annex and having to deal with, an, again, this nurse practitioner very well may be very qualified. She very well could be some at-home nursing assistant or God knows what that has been recruited to work for the pediatrician's office because there's a staffing shortage because of vaccine. They have to split their staff, right? So they have to open up this annex or they need more people and and now you're hiring people you don't have it yet. Like this is the stuff and this is the real world life. Sean talked about last episode about his his daughter going to the school nurse because she had a queasy stomach and now they're going through the COVID protocol. These are affecting people's lives. They're affecting people's livelihoods. The agoraphobia and and the uh, hypochondria of the this this section of the population who's just too scared to do anything is infiltrating our lives. It's affecting our quality of life. And the scariest part of all, people are going to die from it. And not mm. just hype. I'm not being hyper hyperbolic with my statement here. Like my son had a staph infection that would have could have very well turned into pneumonia. And God knows if. I mean, I don't even want to think about this. If anything happened to him, they could very well say, oh, well, he had pneumonia. He got it. it could have been COVID. And and then like, like and, and, and that's the insanity that's going on in this world right now. And it just makes me so angry. And this is why I'm fired up about, we got to stop this. We got to get back to normal. We got to go back. We're going to be living with this virus, whether we it, want to or not. It's not going anywhere. For the rest anywhere. of humanity, there's going to be some kind of form of this. There's uh, still the Spanish flu. And, We're still and, dealing with the Spanish flu. Yeah. And, and now they're talking about even, uh, not. To, I guess we continue on with this conversation, but the animal reservoirs now. So there's, there's, once that happens, right? Once you're crossing over into 
uh, animals, different species that will maintain and hold on to this. This you can't yeah. go vaccinate all the deer, no. you know, or the whatever the heck animal reservoir it it, it adapts to, and then reinfects humans. Like it, it, it evolves. It's just it's 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 insane, right? Like yeah, it, yeah. And, and to your point too, they're talking about uh, cancer patients, right? Like yeah. an issue with cancer patients who were de- denied or delayed uh, treatment um, that are gonna the the ripple effect is just going to People, continue for t- decades. I'm 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 expecting people that are ignoring preventative care appointments mm. because right. they're afraid of COVID and they don't so want to go to the doctor. They don't yeah. want to go to the doctor. Or the doctor can't take them because they're, yeah, they're either understaffed or well, many, many, many reasons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's the most infuriating thing in the world. And this is, it, you need to realize as listeners to this podcast, that this is not a function of free market healthcare that's operating right here. This is completely bastardized governmental controls that are distorting the market and creating a situation where we have a staffing shortage where, well, I mean, what's happening right now? October 1st is the deadline where if you're not vaccinated and you're a healthcare worker, you're what? They keep on extending and kicking the can down the the line because they realize that this is going to create a, a crisis. And it's not just healthcare workers. It's fire response, EMT response. Yeah. So let's get into that. You know, right before that, I want to talk real quick. Like you guys kept nailing it, right? The, the opportunity costs of, of all the things here relative to COVID, you know, how much collateral damage, it's hard to quantify that. Yeah. Whether it's missed appointments, whether it's folks not picking up the phone, the call, there are a lot of different variables there and it's, we can quantify COVID all day, but we can't, uh, we won't be able to uh, yeah, figure that one out. I just, and we talked about it uh, at, in our last episode too, when John was when was here. Was the just the uh, also the developmental impact is going to have on all these children, right? Like from yeah. kindergarten or preschool, the lack of kids going to preschool because pre- preschools are shut down. Um, I, I know kindergarten teachers who are getting students into the kindergarten classes that did not go to preschool yeah. that are already behind. So the kindergarten teacher is now trying to catch these kids up. Like, they, they just don't even have basic um, language. Pro- and then again, the masking and the, the, there's that whole developmental cycle that's going to yeah. ripple. It's, it's, it's really bad. And, you know, my, you know, I, I appreciate you telling your story, Bill. I, you. I know it's not easy to do, especially with all this stuff that's going on. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've got my own personal experiences with that. You know, both of my kids are growing up in this. My son, I think all he really knows of a normal school experience. I think COVID hit when he was in kindergarten or first grade. Yeah. That's know, heartbreaking. So- that's heartbreaking. Like these are the formative years. Uh, this sets the tone for the rest of your academic life is the foundation things. My, my mother was a first grade teacher uh, for, it was, I think it was 26 years in Tiverton school system. Uh, my, her twin sister was a second grade teacher for, I think it was a little bit longer than that. Like th- these are the years that you're learning to read, you're learning to interact, you're learning to socialize. Like these are the formative years that like, there's going to be, you know how they, the demarcation of generations are usually around major event. The baby boomers were the people that came back, you know, the babies that were created after the people that came back from the war and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I am fascinated to see what the demographics and what the the result of is going to be after this. And it scares me to think that, you know, just by the nature of, of how all this happened is that, you know, my wife and I found out we were pregnant in February 
of 2020, mm-hmm. like right when all the stuff was like, and we went through a whole pregnancy and all this other stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, you know, you deal with that. It's, 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 it was new. It was all this other stuff like that, but we've gotten to the point now where I'm jaded over it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the most frustrating thing in the world because I see my son, I see how well he's doing and I see all of the opportunities we're missing to share him with our family and friends. And it's it, it just, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's really, really, really heartbreaking. And that, that for someone who's that age, all the way up, you know, school age, children, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way up to the high school, imagine going to high school and having your prom experience or whatever. Imagine going to college and paying full tuition to take online classes. Like my daughter. Get, yeah. Is yeah. Ah. I did that myself. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's you did absolutely it. wild, yeah. Yeah. you know? So I, let's uh, let's segue real quick, and it's semi-related. So, Bill, you were harping on you know some of the challenges uh, that the state has you know artificially created, right, relative yeah. to the healthcare system and things like that. So, I want to take a minute to go through some some different headlines that I saw that had some uh, interesting views, either on people um, actually taking a stand against some of this stuff, and then also kind of reflecting on some of the the challenges that we're still having here. And then, you know, more importantly, you know, what's happening elsewhere around Mm. us, you know, it's obviously impacting us in Rhode Island, but COVID is having an impact everywhere. So the first one I wanted to talk about, excuse me, Uh, (laughs) a little heated tonight. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about this. So the headline reads, Massachusetts State Trooper Union sues over COVID-9 vaccine mandate. So I I wasn't expecting this one. Yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. Especially, you know, a a union where I think, uh, you know, they wouldn't have taken quite the hard stance. So, you know, they they had uh, rallied up to to sue uh, Governor Charlie Baker's administration to to block the COVID-19 requirement that he had imposed for state workers, which is supposed to take place, I believe, in October, right? So they they asked the judge to, you know, delay the mandate for the union to continue to talk about alternatives, citing other things from the states. And then I had another article to follow up on that. And uh, now the troopers are troopers are uh, retiring by the dozen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's straight from the union. So, um, you know, the executive department had uh, required everyone not by October 17th. You had to show proof or you would you know, be at risk to lose your job. Uh, the statistic was at least 20% of those state employees uh, in Massachusetts were not uh, vaccinated, uh, which was an interesting statistic there. Uh, but that judge had denied the request from the state union to put a hold on that mandate. So the response to that is people were just leaving. So you had a, you know, dozens and dozens of troopers submitting their res- resignation over this. Mm. So I, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I didn't expect that f- from that, but I I also think it's interesting the contrast of the the unions pushing forward and kind of taking the stance of, you know, we we you know we we th- we think vaccines are good, but you should not mandate it against a person. Mm-hmm. Dare I say unions might be taking a, you know, they don't always do this, but maybe some sort of principled approach. Well, uh, the recent ruling uh, in Rhode Island about the firefighters came down. And I guess the the, the gist of it was, is that because they represent 90 percent of the workers who were vaccinated, it's not creating a hardship on the remaining 10 percent that aren't vaccinated. So uh, it's not creating anything with an adverse working condition or whatever the heck they're right. saying. And then they, they're allowing them to continue to force the mandate as according, as according to the ruling, which, again, is this. 
that's the that's the crux of the matter is that you know if what good is a union if you're not protecting the minority minority, that's that's, that's the whole idea about the union right yeah that's the whole kind of you know, thing, you know, we, we always get caught up in the de- democrat democratic process, like the majority rules, but it's not, yeah. it's, we're a Republic for one, which is supposed to protect, protect the minority. But, um, but uh, you know, and I had briefly read that, skimmed through that article and I saw uh, one of the representatives, uh, uh, of the union said, well, you know, if we lose that, whatever seven, 10% it is, that's going to put a there's going to be a problem for us, right? Like, well, even though it's a small minority, but if all those people decided to hold their ground and say, we're not coming to work and we're going to go find other jobs. Now what happens, well, right? I, it, minimum, minimum staffing requirements. This right. is, this is the entire thing that goes on with the game that they play with the sick time with the firefighters yeah. that's going on in East Greenwich and in, in, uh, in Coventry, West Warwick, Royal, all the, the, the different fire departments that are dealing with this. Um, play golf with a firefighter. I won't tell you what district he is, but I asked him, uh-huh. I asked him, I go, how many of these people who are refusing the vaccine, I go, how many of them are actually opposed to getting the vaccine? And how many of them are playing the game where they're going to get the people who aren't going to be able to show up to work because of whatever, and they're not going to meet the manning requirements. Now you're going to deal with the overtime and all the other stuff that results from it. And not to go down this conspiracy theory, I think, but let me tell you, uh, you know, Buddy Sands used to say the firefighters all day. Everybody loves firefighters. They go save your kid out of the tree. They, they put your house out of fire when, it, when it's on fire. But, you know, a lot of the time, now I'm not talking about the busy you know, places up in Providence that are dealing with all the other stuff. But a lot of the times they're sitting around, sure. you know, or, or you strategizing. Have, about- <laughs> well, some, some cities and towns require the fire truck to go with the ambulance, yeah. even though it's obviously not a fire. It's like to keep, keep them busy. I well, think it's, that, I asked, I asked having about- work in the military and the government that I, I we, Sean, you can back me up on this. There's a lot of that nonsense that goes on. Yeah, right? well, like, I, and I, I asked him about that too. Get your hands out of your pockets. He, no, he does. And again, he, he, they they explain they have a reasonable explanation for it and it's oh I'm sure they do it's not the most again it's it's not years the, to come up with one it's not the <laughs> but listen they don't have to come up with the excuse now because if you know uh, overall in Rhode Island they, they estimated about twenty percent of those workers not and then ten percent specifically in Providence weren't so, vaccinated so you're immediately turning that entire formula into it in, in you're creating a deficit and you're making a whole entire deal this is the entire thing like rob cody and all the other people that the watch groups that are, are following this mm. and, the, and that's going on in east greenwich and, and warwick and the the different fire departments they they, they talk about this is this is a systemic problem and you all you're doing and again i i don't want to sit here and, and turn this into a union issue because i obviously there's i'm sure there's some that have convictions about why they don't want to get the sure. the, the the pandemic and stuff like that but I, i'm just trying to bring up the fact that we're creating a ton of other issues that are unintended con- externalities that are are completely not even considered mm-hmm. by the administration when they're just putting down their edicts and it's just it's frustrating it's it's like how can you how can you be supportive of a, a group of people that just are that dense I, I, again and I'll probably say this again before the conversation's over, but how many of that 10% have already had COVID and have natural antibodies? Like that's not even part of the equation in any of this that's going on at all. And it's, you can't deny the the studies that have already are out there that saying that natural um, antibodies are far superior than anything provided by the the vaccine. You know, so we talked about that last week. Be careful. Uh, what was it? Congressman Tom Massey was on Tom Wood's show and they got kicked off of YouTube for making that very statement. So. Oh, well, we're not on YouTube. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I like it. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of 
take a look at some of this stuff. And I think McKee found his answer here. And and the reason why is because these departments that now have to pay for this overtime, they're going to market appropriation as a COVID impact. Yep. And then that's how they're going to do that. They're going to be able to justify the funding for that. So we won't see it today. We won't see it next year. But that kind of trend is going to keep going. So. So that's why they're holding on to all these COVID funds and not spending it right away is because they're trying to see how much of that they can absorb into the operating budget. I got some ridiculous thing in the, uh, the East Bay newspaper about uh, how should uh, the town of Warren use its like, you know, $1.2 million it's going to be getting from COVID. And they had all these little like you could choose your option about like you could rank about what you wanted oh, to have go first, second and third. And and none of the anything op- to do with COVID. Well, none of the options that they provided said give that money back to the property taxpayers at town. I, it was very, very, very uh, uh, disheartening that they didn't have that. So I, I commented that on the on the post I saw on Facebook. And wouldn't you know it? My comment on the post got more more than 700% more likes than any other comment uh, of suggestion <laughs> on what to be done. So I think, you know, in a democracy, we should just give that money back to the taxpayers. See, your, your progressive friends <laughs> yes. might agree with yes. this, yeah. that yeah. one. No. <laughs> 51% telling the 49, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the the other interesting thing about this, and it's it's not really related, not to to bring in the um because I, I just thought about it because I was listening to the uh, the radio on the way up here, and they were talking about uh, the media day for the NBA, and there's a number of NBA players who have refused to get the vaccine, mm. and ninety percent of the NBA players have gotten vaccine, but a big time player uh, Kyrie Irving. I he's think a, I saw that interview or that um, he's on the, the Brook the Nets that have the uh, the COVID nineteen vaccination passports. Uh, so you're not allowed entry into the arena unless you've had a vaccination. So he did his media day interview via Zoom. The calls oh, into wow. one I saw. Okay, calls into question about if you're not allowed entrance into the arena. <laughs> Unless you're vaccinated, how's he going to play at the home games, the Brooklyn Nets? So, I, you know, it's it's funny how, you know, you're seeing the cracks. This is the the beginning of the, you know, the full-on emperors have no clothes. You know, the the, the fact that this stuff is coming up with the governor and they keep on vacillating on the, the, the deadline of October 1st. And, you know, and they got these different instances where now the talent is saying like, hey, we're not going to show up to work if you guys are going to have these requirements. So, um you know the, the the cracks are there, and this is an important time where we need to stand up. And we 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 talked about it last week. We just need to uh, massive noncompliance with their edicts. They they if they have, you know, any type of federal mandate, any type of thing. If you can have, if you have it within your means to resist and to fight back, please do so. Because if somebody has to, because if we all just go along, we're going to end up like, I don't know, Australia. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that. There's some wild yeah. stuff going on there. But, you know, I, I want to put this disclaimer out. It's not that we're not taking the stance that we're anti-vaccine. And that's where it all gets mixed up, right? Yeah. We're anti-mandate. And and that, that there is a huge distinct difference between the, the the messaging, the branding, and what comes with both of those things, right? It's, it, it, we, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been vaccinated for other things. I'll probably get my flu shot this yeah. year, you know? Hopefully I can take a picture of it and go on social media and people will give me lots of likes for my flu shot. Did you get your uh, polio booster? Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> the Navy, I'm sure you did. Oh, yeah. You oh, probably thought, got it four times over. I, thought, yeah, I, know, yeah. I just thought the 
Pulled it was one shot and it was a done. Oh, I don't know because it worked. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. All right, sorry. You know, but you know, Mike brought up a, a huge point. You know, I remember going through uh, boot camp in my time in the service, and we would just go through an assembly line, and not question anything. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. I you know anthrax. Oh yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. How many of y'all have your anthrax vaccine? Yeah, you know? I, I don't know if you guys had. The, they were like yellow, um, like a yellow booklet, little uh, vaccination record. Uh, so we, we used to have those. It was like a, I remember it was like yellow cardboard, <laughs> kind of vaccination passport, right? Let's talk about it. But <laughs> but you would, um, in the army at least, we'd go through what they call DRB, which is like your your recall status, like your 18-hour recall, and, and then would rotate throughout the division and all that stuff. So whenever you were prepping for DRB, you'd go and get all your medical records and update your will and all this other stuff and make sure everything's up to date. And if you didn't forgot that damn vaccination thing, because that was your record, to, 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 to show what vaccines you had, they would give you everything again. Like you would leave there like a pin cushion. And uh, I remember having done that once and then never doing it again. <laughs> like you forget, yeah. forget that little yellow card. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I digress. Well, that's again, it's a, 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 a to, to Sean's point again, same thing. Um, you know, not anti-vaccination. I got my young son. I, I listened to talk to my pediatrician. I gave him all the recommended vaccines that they required to, him or not required, but re- recommended that he have. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not anti-vaccination whatsoever. And I'm not even anti this COVID vaccination. It just, it, it just, it just bothers me, it, you know, just layman a thousand feet, not knowing, not being any type of medical expert uh, that immediately when they came out with the vaccine, they said, oh, 99% effective, all this other stuff like that. And, and here we are, however, months later, people are, and they're talking about boosters and, and this, goes back to the same thing. My anger is not at the the, the, the scientists that developed the vaccine. I'm not the, the people that do the trials. Also, It's the fact that the government is bastardizing the process. They're giving us false information and the the ends, the Machiavellian ends justify the means. This is not what we signed up to live under. This is, we have the consent of the governed to be, you know, leveled with and be able to ultimately make our own decision. And they're taking that away from us. I think one of my biggest takeaways, and again, I want to reiterate the two the thing that the problem is they automatically label, label you as anti-vax. They changed um, the definition. Oh, did they? They did. They no, did. No, they, they, Just like critical race theory yeah, stuff, right? No, yeah, the, the definition of anti-vaxxer now includes people who are against vaccination mandate. mandates. Okay. Yes. So, they, yeah. They've changed the definition. Okay. It's, so, it's the Mary, the Merriam-Webster. So, so don't worry. But, the, 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 so well, before the, this goes down the memory hole, they have changed the definition and you are now uh, ultimately a, a subversive. But, <laughs> but, but, but that actually proves my point is it, it, it's, it's exposing them for what they are throughout all of this, yeah. right? They're, the things that they're doing and, the, and the, the, just the propaganda, the press conferences and all this other stuff, the stuff that's just... Again, they don't care anymore. They're just throwing it out there and it's all for everybody's. And it, it amazes me how many people are blind to it, yeah. you know, and they just well, can't see it. Just to go back to that point, they changed the definition of vaccination too in the CDC website, uh, where initially the vaccination was more of a, it was closer to inoculation than mm-hmm. it was vaccination. And now they've, they've I mean, again. The whole gene therapy yeah. thing, right? Like this isn't really a vaccination. It's they're they're yeah. they're talking that now a vaccination is not defined as an inoculation from a disease. It's called as a it's a way to lessen the severity of. The, so it's funny how all these these terms fit. You know what the the talking points are and stuff like that. And again, this is 
I could be a hundred, I could be a thousand percent. I could be so wrong that, you know, I, I should have died from COVID, you know, six months ago. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the fact that they, you know, they're not leveling with the public. And, you know, I'd rather have, you know, a, a I would trade a million amounts of insecurity for uh, an ounce of government safety. And that's just, you know, I, I'd write, that's the whole idea. And we, you know, I've talked about this about, I think we talked about it in the last episode, that they're taking away your ability to make your decision for yourself. Yeah. They're taking away the very essence that makes you a moral human individual individual yeah. well no no you have a choice you just can't work for certain people you right. can't go to certain shops you can't provide for your family but any any other time yeah yeah of yeah. course and, it's optional and and by it's the not way about freedom and by the way like <clears throat> completely go the hell go the f to hell to all the libertarian apologists out there like nick sarwak and all the other assholes that are out there saying that the government that these businesses have the ability to 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 enforce these mandates as if it's some part of the free market. No, it's not part of the free market. The government is forcing these people to do Otherwise, it. Otherwise, they're out of business, right? They pull their license and Go they, can't, to hell. they can't make a living. Get the hell out of here. You are not libertarian. It's not a free market. No, it's not. You are not. You know, I thought one, there's a really good libertarian line that goes, uh, good ideas don't require force. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got to think of, of that premise towards it, but you also have to think of the back of your head, like, why, why the mandate all mm -hmm. of a sudden? You, you know what I mean? Like if, if it was so safe, if everything was so effective, then you should want people to just be able to go get it. Why do you have to mandate it? I've, you know, I've, I've heard stories that, um, I forget her name. I was listening on, on, on a podcast all the way over here, but it was a, a doctor that frequents on CNN and she was talking about way early in COVID. Oh, well don't wave freedom or in front of these people's faces. Otherwise they won't have incentive to get, you know, the vaccine. Yep. Now she's come out and, and kind of said the you know the, the polar opposite against it all, and, and and you just have to think you know what why all of a sudden would you have to mandate it? They say that now she says that she fears for her child uh, because uh, you know she's vaccinated. Uh, and she has more quote virus in her, so she's more apt to give it to her children oh, who are more God. unvaccinated. And she's so just be careful around her because she's a doctor. Well, right. and, and then she doesn't understand that children are virtually like they have virtually in, no impact. It, an immature but it's because of the unvaccinated, they have an un immature immune system that, that prevents them from this a natural built in because a, a baby is so new, their immune system is so new. If they were to be exposed to every single virus as soon as they, especially back in like caveman times like you know like you'd be like all the stuff that's out there they're they're designed not to be able to be receptive to a certain number of things that's why it's so ridiculous that this this whole entire like annex my my my, my son's story is that i know the pediatrician works more than infants but like again this yeah. it's just the 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 ridiculous that they're sending an 11 month old into an annex because for fear that they're going to pass covid on to who the, the 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 person that's supposedly working in the medical field to to put themselves in harm way to, to prevent certain things like this. That's, it's just unbelievable. And all this is absolutely wild. They're trying to divide people. They're trying to divide families. And you got to think, why are they doing that? So I think there's still a little bit of hope, though. And I think it's because of, of some recent examples. So uh, a couple more of the headlines, right? So this one's from WPRI. Rhode Island healthcare workers challenge state's vaccine mandate as the deadline nears. So there's some promise relative to that. If you guys check us out on social media, we shared an article where 
there was, I think, Rhode Island Hospital. Um, they had to shut down some of their uh, emergency room operations because they simply couldn't staff it. Yeah. So, you know, the, the opportunity cost there is, okay, well, now um, costs are going to increase and your quality of care is going to go down. It's all because of the mandate. And uh, we, we, we keep beating this one to death. But if this was a pandemic and we've seen the rates drop and drop and drop and drop, if this is something we need to be concerned about, we wouldn't take the people that were, you know, previously classified as heroes and then, you know, shove them to the unemployment line where then we would then deny them the benefits that, you know, they and their employers have been paying. I've heard that the strategy is to stop paying them, not to fire them, just to stop paying them if they don't office have space. Yeah. It's like it, Milton, it, Milton in office space. Maybe, maybe it'll just resolve itself. And no, but it's even more sinister than that because it's not just going to resolve itself and the person's going to realize they're not getting paid and be like, F this, I'm out of here. It's going to be the situation where they continue to practice unvaccinated and then people in black you know, trench coats come and, and take them away for, you know, and, and suspend their medical license because they're practicing in violation of an executive order. And then that, that like, like this is insanity. Like this is absolute insane. This is why libertarians are against regulations. It's because mm. as soon as they regulate and they give you permission, a license to do something, they can take that license away whenever they feel like it. If it pleases the crown. Yeah. Right. right exactly. Whether or not it's justified or not. And you can sit there and say, oh, well, no, all these people will be practicing medicine without a license. And oh my God, there'd be no way for people to know where they're going to get something from. I don't know. Last time I checked, if somebody didn't have a medical license, I don't think my insurance provider would put them in network and pay for their coverage if I went to go see them. It'd be out of an exactly. out-of-pocket out uh, thing. It'd be the same thing as me going to like an acupuncturist or a, a chiropractor or right. something like that, right? No, I mean, you, you just suggested the free market solution, <laughs> geez, right? Like, is to be able to, to to do that because people, insurance companies would not want to pay premiums to get not quality care, right? I mean, it's it's absolutely wild, but I, I think there's a little bit of hope. So another story, uh, I actually pulled this from the Westerly, uh, the Westerly the Sun. And, uh, you know, it, I think this has made uh, uh, more of a, uh, uh, larger news impact as well. But, you know, there was a group of Rhode Island parents and grandparents that filed legal challenge against oh, yeah. Governor Daniel McKee's statewide mandate. It was uh, the lawsuit um, was filed in Providence Superior Court, um, you know, alleging that the Democratic governor violated state law and state constitution uh, in both signing the K-12 mass mandate and also declaring the new state of emergency due to the Delta variant, which we, we've talked about the, the nuances of the state of emergencies and the executive orders and the and, you know, the the general assembly that's not in session to do anything about it not coming back in session now either. yeah to to challenge anything like that uh you know it's interesting that nuance there but you know a bunch of you know concerned parents and grandparents uh indicated there's a double standard uh you know you can go to a restaurant retail shop indoor space everywhere else but you cross that imaginary line for a school and you got to muzzle your kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, there's, there's hope there that, you know, people are trying to utilize the process there. I thought it was also interesting. There was a letter that was submitted uh, to governor McKee by 33 legislators. I think the number has gone down a little bit. Some people uh, backed off. They said, Nope, oh, I didn't sign on for this. But you know, the, even, even the cult uh, got to him. Yeah. yeah uh, a good amount. Well, they're, they're, I looked something up. So hold on a second. The cancel culture. Oh. So um, <laughs> they, they had signed up, you know, they, they cited some of the things that we already did, you know, some of the previous heroes and saviors are facing the loss of employment due to the executive order when we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's reasonable to say that that shouldn't happen, right? So there's a laundry list of uh, people that had signed up for it. And some people after it released um, actually pulled back from it. And the one person that I noted uh, more than anybody that pulled off of it was Representative 
Raymond Hole. Now, he's a Democrat, District 6, Providence, North Providence. He said he shouldn't, shouldn't have signed the letter. Now, he was compelled by passion by his constituents. Now, as a representative, you would think that you would uh, push forward with that and represent your constituents. However... Compelled by common sense and logic. However... This guy <laughs> is also the chair of the Rhode Island House of Representatives Task Force for COVID-19 Vaccine. Oh, geez. So I guess that sent a mixed message out there. Yeah. Nope. So the day after the letter went out, apparently he probably got some internal heat, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I got." I don't want to lose that chairmanship. <laughs> yeah. So that that that's absolutely wild. While I wish for no one to lose their jobs, especially after the grueling eighteen months we had just experienced, I realized I cannot advocate for an individual's job if they are sick of COVID nineteen due to an unvaccinated status. I think another representative that pulled the support uh, was Representative Carlos Tobone from uh, Pawtucket, who is also, I believe, the chairman or at least one of the ranking members on like the, the COVID relief uh, funds being spent as well, too, which is another person which makes you sit there and say, oh, wait, is my, gov- is my appointed position by the Speaker yeah. of the House more important than my common sense and what my constituents are telling me? So. I, I bet they're going to be getting issued like these flow charts, like the, the like these fault chart, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Can, can you say this? Yes, no. Like this yeah. whole thing. Oh, I, I can't do that one because, uh, you know, because they get, they're getting all screwed up now, you know, what they're voting on. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I saw another article that had said 7,700 Rhode Island healthcare workers are unvaccinated. For some, the deadline was extended what this means for the industry, right? So, you know, that might not seem like a whole lot of number, but you got to think if you take 7,700 professionals, I don't know if all of them would walk off of their job. Mm. You know, that's a tricky situation of, you know, being put in a position of, hey, you, you, this is your job and you're in such a regulated industry where you couldn't necessarily do it unless you moved out of state. No, they won't let you do that. Because they're not only going to prevent you from working in Rhode Island, but they're going to suspend your license. So you can't operate in any other state either. So they're going to completely strip you of your livelihood. Absolutely. I I, I would be so happy to see some kind of like Galt Gulch, you know, movement, you know, come out of this where all those people get together and they just just decide to start providing services outside of the government. This goes, this is what we're talking about in terms of the concierge medical service where you have a doctor who decides that, you know, all right. So when you go to the doctor, and you sit in the initial waiting room and then you go into the other, this is the old Seinfeld bit, you go into the other (laughs) smaller waiting room where you're by yourself and they have less nice magazines or older magazines that you're waiting for the doctor to show up. The the real reason why there's two waiting rooms, the first waiting room is for when they're collecting all of your information. You got to fill out the little pad with all your, you know, your, your stuff. But most importantly, you're giving them your medical insurance. Now they have to go through all of your medical insurance and see what you qualify for so they can code all of the procedures that they're going to do for you correctly. So the whole time (laughs) you're sitting there waiting in the first waiting room is when they're trying to figure out what they can charge you for. Now they send you into the doctor and the doctor actually goes and sees what's wrong with you. And so now he comes out and he gives his report and now they go through and they can see how they can code everything and bill you for. The concierge medical system is, is that you have maybe like 10 families, let's say, and they get together and they pay a monthly fee and they pay that monthly fee to one doctor and that one doctor is a doctor for all of the uh the the people in his network and any inpatient care that happens is included in that monthly prescription so anything that the doctor can take care in his office including certain prescription drugs and stuff like that that he can keep in his office and write to you like the the 
the antibiotics that my son got and everything like that, uh, they can write the prescription for you and give it to you in the office at substantially less cost than what it was. And the, what the best part about it is you don't have to wait in one waiting room. <laughs> you don't have to right. deal with the extra person dealing with all the medical coding and stuff like that. It's you only deal with one person. And this is, again, this is, this is not the perfect libertarian no. solution, but it's, it's a solution. It's a that alternative I fits think so. within the current system that we have right yeah. now. Not it, only that, but, oh, okay. uh, you know, employers could offer that to their, their folks as well. Right. There's, there's a lot of different implementations that they could do it from a benefits perspective. It, and I, maybe it was with you, Bill, you were talking about this, man. Maybe we talked about it on a podcast. That's what a lot of the social clubs used to be back yeah. in the day, like the odd fellows hall and you know, all these different uh, Elks club and all that stuff they would have, wouldn't they? And you'd go to the club yep. and the doctor would, that'd be, be Part of your membership. Part of your membership to the club. Yeah. And 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 what ended up happening was is that you had doctors who were educated. They as the medical field progressed and they were just stopped like, you know, putting leeches on you and cutting off your legs <laughs> if something happened. Uh, they they started to become more uh, higher in society. And they didn't like the fact that they were dealing with the lowly working class in these clubs and stuff like that. So instead of dealing with a lowly working class, they went and dealt directly with the business owners. And that's how we got insurance offered through your employer as opposed to being offered in the free market. And that was considered a benefit. That whole thing got bastardized. And then they got overly regulated by the government. And I can get into a million reasons why. The two failing, I'm an insurance professional. I can tell you the two failing insurance industries in this country are health insurance and the flood insurance. And what do they have in common? Common government regulation. Government regulation. Yeah, there you go. So you know, you just uh, the, the harp on government regulation again. So I don't, I don't know what these eight thousand Rhode Island healthcare workers are going to do. Right, they're put into a really sticky situation. On do they decide to provide for their families or do they try to to seek elsewhere? And the other government uh, restrictions and regulations kind of bar you from going into different industries right now. Anyway, right? You know, Joe Biden put out. You know, if you're in a company of a uh, hundred people or more, right, then you have to have some level of uh, a testament. If you're a federal contractor, you have to have some level of a testament. Right? Be a lot of 99 employee and companies coming up pretty soon, right? You know, I would I would think to to see that a little maybe bit. maybe a couple W2 employees being changed over to 1099. Yeah. We could we could work around that. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a loophole, but you know, I, I get worried, with, uh, Bill, especially with the with the story you talked about today, right? Because you know, you 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 kind of suffered some of the brunt of some of the staffing shortages. If we just take 8,000 professionals out of Rhode Island overnight. And they're not even, it's not even October 1st yet. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. It's only going to get worse. And, and people say it, it won't. And we kind of stepped through that last episode, right? Where it just started with the, the two weeks or 15 days to stay at home and it's escalating to what we're seeing now. So, you know, we've got a couple stories on, on, on the docket here, you know, uh, of heavy protests abroad, right? So yeah. we're, we're seeing uh, riots in Australia, the Netherlands, France, and they're opposed. They're, they're put, they're trying to oppose these totalitarian practices that their governments have put into place with these COVID passports, digital passports, requiring you to use an application on your phone to log where you're at at any time to prove that you're in a lockdown to where, you know, you're in Australia and towns are ordering the slaughter of rescue animals over the fear of, when, of them, uh, these caged so animals, right? So people wouldn't come adopt the damn dogs. Like, come on. I, 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 we were talking before this and I, I'm glad you brought, you know, got onto this topic, uh, Sean, we, before we started recording is just some of the video we see coming out of Australia. You know, it's funny too, cause I, I, as a kid, I've always been fascinated with Australia. Like as a place I've wanted to go f for a long time, not anymore. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's, 
you would think it, it, it's a you know an analog for you know, the United States, very similar to, to cultural cultural, you know. Except type, that they, to, didn't they do something recently with the guns over in Australia? Well, that's that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking, right? Like it's funny because there's no pushback because there's no fear from the civilian population. No. They have absolutely have no you fear. Some of the, of the police population. officers just go up and like body slam somebody for yeah. standing in a park without a mask on. I, I, like, I just saw one. Was it t- today? Yesterday, uh, someone has stepped out of their. Uh, uh, you know, stoop the apartment building to smoke a cigarette and they were just, you know, pummeled by the, another one of a, of a, and this was a little bit older, but a, a couple months old, I guess, but a woman uh, who had like a sandwich board, you know, sign basically just standing on the, on the sidewalk peacefully with her, with her child and, and gets, you know, um, accosted by these, these two cops, two or three, then, then, then before you know it, there's m- many cops and they, they start pulling her away. They're arresting her. Her kid is just like freaking out. Her son's freaking out. He's got to be probably four or five years old. It, it's insane. The stuff that's going on over there. Yeah. It's, 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 and it just goes to show you what a slippery slope it is and how close we are to being in that same exact situation. Well, this is part of my point. So we were talking earlier about, like, say the the the, the police, um, the, the the mass state police, right? The guys that are retiring early, right? Mm-hmm. Presumably, they're the good ones. Yeah. Right. No, they're the ones that might stand up and say, "No, we're not going to do that." Who's going? And I heard this. Uh, I'm not going to take credit for it, but Tim uh, Tim Pool's podcast yesterday. Bob Murphy was on there. I haven't finished watching it, but it's really good. But they started getting in on this just, and they're like, what's going to be left now? It's all the people who are compliant. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty damn scary. So while, while it's, it may be, um, you know, reassuring to see some of the pushback, what, what comes out at the end of this, you know, those people that are pushing back, do they then move on? And now you're left with you know, the King's men, you know, yeah. doing, doing so the, the bidding the, of the, the government. Self-selecting themselves. Y- yeah. Exactly. So that's a little and, bit scary. Well, how about, I mean, and let's tie that back to the health insurance or a health care system that we have right now. Uh, you know, if we're self-selecting the people who are willing to go along with the vaccination mandate and everything like that, like, how is that science? Right. Like, well, like we have medical professionals who are, and maybe they're wrong. I can't, maybe we're all wrong. Maybe we're just a bunch of assholes and we should have died from COVID, like I said, six months ago. But we have medical people that have devoted their entire lives, more than Aaron Regenberg has devoted his life to climate change. These people have devoted <laughs> their life to, to the medical profession and they are hesitant about taking this vaccine. And we are su- not only just dismissing their words, we are actively suppressing them. We are deplatforming them. We are, are are not letting their 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 whole entire information come out. How is that? How is that trusting the science? I don't get it. We're already seeing um, calls from the COVID cult about denying care to people who have not been vaccinated. Well, that, now, I, if you have an I, entire I, medical establishment that's on board, that's an easy thing to implement. I, I said that. I don't know if I said in the last podcast. I is has been a blur. But if they can mandate that your medical professionals, the ones that are treating you are vaccinated. How is that any difference from requiring the patients that they treat to be vaccinated? Because I don't know about you, but if you're stuck in a hospital room with a roommate, I'm a whole hell of a lot more concerned about my roommate being vaccinated than I am about the nurse that's coming in to check on me only on an eight hour shift or whatever the hell she's working, because that's the next step. And that's what we're talking about is that, you know, they'll just say, you know, 
when do they sit there and say, oh, we're not going to, yeah, you got lung cancer? Yeah, we're not going to treat you. You've been yeah. smoking your whole entire, oh, you diabetes? Well, yeah, you should have been drinking all those be, uh, McDonald's no, sodas. Exactly. And, yeah. That's this, 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 this level of, of qualification is not required for any other illness, any other issue that we have in this country. And it's, this is creating a unique situation that think, is not existing. I think it's else. insight into universal healthcare too. Yeah. That. <laughs> well, that's what I keep, that's what I've been saying since this pandemic started. Universal healthcare is not about single payer and having one person paying for your health insurance, like the government or whatever. It's about you receiving the same level of care as everybody else in the country. That means that if there's a vaccine, you have to take the vaccine. I don't care if you're allergic to the vaccine. I don't care if you have a religious requirement. You have to take the vaccine. And what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Well, you'll probably get an extra ration of bread. <laughs> you know, if you get extra it. scoop yeah. of, of chicken flavored broth. Well, Good for you. you will, will you get an extra scoop or will you just not have a scoop denied to you by. R- r- right. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes it's just nice to be thanked for your service. <laughs> I, I, I rolled my sleeve up today. The right. 19th time. Oh, Joe Biden did. Thank God. Because you got some, you got an ice cream cone afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so just going back to that, the whole Australia thing and, and how, it might bleed over to, we were seeing some, New York is an example, California is an example of some stuff. I'm going to keep, you know, I want to keep a close eye on what's going on there and the pushback that, you know, that that's happening. I I, I did, you had talked about, Sean, I talked about some international stuff. So we had talked earlier before we started recording about, um, and I just briefly saw the, the, the clip um, of Italy, what's going on in Italy. And there's some pushback and I believe it's the mayor of Rome that basically said that they will not enforce a mandate for, for um, COVID passports. She will not. And there was another one, a video attached to that of a, um, essentially a, a police line, riot, you know, riot police in Italy. I don't, I don't catch where it was, but they just decided to take off their helmets and their masks and say, we're not going, we're not going to do this to the people. So that was a little bit reassuring. I, I, I want some more of God that. bless them. Cause you know, yeah. the same thing happened with Hong Kong before the pandemic. Right. And mm-hmm. it, you know, if the America could be what the people in these countries that are really, you know, facing some, you know, they're the, the next step we're facing yeah. and they're fighting back about it. And they're looking to us as that shining example of what that they stand for, what they think they stand for. And it's this idea, because let me tell you, it doesn't exist anymore in this country right now. It's, it's, it's really a bunch of people who have uh, just completely taken for granted everything that we uh, are, are built upon and established and, and the fundamentals of liberty and free market and, and, and being self-governance and all this other stuff. And, and this is, we are a shining example to the world and, and we need to make sure that we live up to the standards of all those people that are looking up to us. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's really concerning a lot of the precedents that have been set. I think there is some hope in some of the things that we see. And unfortunately you won't see it on TV. No, nope. you know, you won't see it on the news, but you know, when, when we see these, heavy restrictions Australia you know we also see at the same time a heavy amount of resistance I've seen videos of you know police putting up a barricade and you've got thousands of people just Russian. running past them you you see that there you you see that in France right now where they've imp- imposed some level of digital health pass and they're looking for restrictions of well you know we're going to make sure that your employer uh, lets us know if you're not vaccinated because that's now going to be a term of your employment, things like that. And what it comes down to is we're all just people 
at, yeah. at the end of the day, right? We, we all live in different places, but and, and you can see how evident that is where if you just go down to Florida and you've got 100,000 people sitting in a college football stadium, right? You've, you've got that nuance there, but you go to New York and you can't even get in without can't showing a cheeseburger. Your, yeah. yeah. And what, what's the what's the result? Everybody talked. They talked about Sturgis in North Dakota last year, and it was a super spreader event. That was like the yeah. like it was all Trump supporters, and oh my god, it's just going to be like you know people like it doesn't translate. It doesn't. It it it, it you know maybe there's a, a an ink again. I couldn't imagine having a stadium full of a couple hundred thousand people and not being an increase in the transmission. But we said it at the beginning of this episode, we said it in the last episode, this virus isn't going anywhere. We're going to need to learn to live with it. And it's important that we focus on keeping things as normal as possible beyond the, you know, maybe certain measures that we can take. And if we don't have that in place, we're, we're just going to go down the road of what we're, what we see at the airports right now with the TSA. If yeah. the flying experience right now is any indication compared to what it was before 9-11, you can sit there and think about what your freedoms were to get on a plane and off a plane before 9-11 and after 9-11 and think about what your freedoms are to operate in the society before the COVID-19 vaccination and after the COVID-19 vaccination. That's you the know, best be, parallel I can give you. I'll be honest about that. It seems like they're trying to go for that similar type of unifying vibe. You know, after 9-11, there was... There was a, or before 9-11, there was a pretty decent divide about certain things, especially in the political spectrum. And then 9-11 happened. And then you had that unifying response, especially between Republicans and Democrats, where they then proceeded to take over, you know, all of our um, you know, privacy rights with things mm. like the Patriot Act. And then we mm-hmm. started endless wars and, and things like that. And there's, there's that nuance there. And then we have such a political divide now over so many different topics. I, I get worried that they, they try to use this as a unifying thing. At least that's what I thought they were trying to do, but there's enough resistance out there. And, and the reason why I, I still see a glimmer of hope is, you know, if you look at some of there's a, been a lot of turnover in government lately, especially in certain agencies. So if you look at the FDA or the CDC, they've had some pretty high ranking people that have decided to no longer be a part of those organizations. And, and you have to ask yourself the question, why? Yeah. And, you know, there, there are probably people that are genuinely trying to do good things in government. You know, I think that's a reasonable expectation for a lot of the people, right? You know, where they, you know, we're libertarians, we would like to minimize that and in most cases end that, that level of, get rid of, of the government, get rid of the government, right? <laughs> You know, but there are people that do serve in those roles and positions and they probably try to think that they're doing a good thing, right? Especially in the CDC, you want to prevent viruses, you want to do this and that. And and to see that people in those positions are starting to to leave those services. There are even reports of many CDC employees not even being vaccinated. It, it makes you think. Well, that goes back to the same thing where we're now self-selecting. The people who are the compliant Who's ones. filling those gaps now, and That's right? a scary thing. And, and that is the concern. And I, I don't think that they're going to have that. They're, they're trying to impose that unifying magic and aura across the, the country that they observed after 9-11, where it's patriotic to, to get together. We got to fight the bad yeah. guy. And now now the bad guy is the invisible enemy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and to your point, like CDC, I remember, uh, well, so remember a couple of weeks ago, the whole booster thing, right? Like they said, well, not yeah. required. Blah, Left blah, hand blah. not talking to the right yeah. on that one. And then all of a sudden there were two top scientists for the CDC that resigned or retired. And now all of a sudden, boosters. now they get the votes. <laughs> now they have booster. Right. Like now it's a thing, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it's just, 
maybe that I, again, I don't know that I didn't, I haven't read the details on that, but I just, my, it's jogging my memory of like yeah. what's going on there. You know? Well, I remember both agencies took a different stance on, on the boosters and yeah. then the white house gave them a bunch of flack about right. it. And then political pressure. And after then what that, happens? yeah, we got oh, boosters. I think Joe Biden was rolling up his sleeve. Like, well, it's the, other I, day. the optics of a president wearing a mask uh, presumably being ejected by a medical professional who was also wearing a mask, who presumably both were vaccinated, because I don't imagine right. either of them, well, I mean, Joe Biden said he's vaccinated. The other one, I don't think the medical provider would not be unvaccinated. And she's wearing a mask to inject him with a bo- his third shot. Yeah. Does that instill the sense of confidence? Confidence, right. In the right. vaccine you prevent. The fact is we know the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting sick. They're wearing the mask, the double masks, third shot of the vaccine. Like, come on. You know, I want I want to show that contrast and I really wish we had we had video accompanying this, but you know, you see the the you know the all the different restrictions that are happening in countries like Australia. And then you compare it to something like the if the, they had the Met Gala. I don't think we've we had that oh, since God. The, the the whole last episode. So, That's another point. Oh you know, we're going long, but I don't care. We go long on this episode. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, that is some other some scary ass shit there. Like like dystopian Hunger, Hunger Games, Games. Hunger freaking Games. capital city bullshit. Yeah. Of hey, like, my, hold on, Mike. Can you set the stage? Some people might not have seen that. <laughs> the uh, AOC's dress. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So AOC, the Met Gala is well, a crazy. Uh, art gallery that has an annual event every year to raise money for the performing arts in New York City because God knows they don't get enough money from God knows whatever, however many things. And it's like something like a $30,000 ticket or something like that. Yeah, but I guess there was some discrepancy on that. She gets her ticket for free free because she's a politician. Alexandria Ocasio-Ortez or AOC, whatever it is, uh, she ended up showing up with a custom-made dress that was no less than $10,000-$15,000 itself. So forget the ticket but the dress but it was i guess it was a rent a lend- taxation is theft oh, rent- yeah it had taxation is theft written on it oh no, no i'm sorry it didn't i'm sorry it said uh that's our pipe dream no yeah it was a dress that tax, said tax rich, the rich. rich. <laughs> so and so my question is is did she go around the met gala with a with a with a plate and say yeah please yeah. please donate for please donate <laughs> that that was just so much my big concern it was the when you looked at the background, right? Like it was that one. And was it the Grammys? Well, it was another award. So a couple yep, days the later, Emmys or, something. Emmys or something like that. Um, you look at like all the special people were just without their masks and they were just living life in their pretty outfits and whatnot. And then you look at the periphery and it's all the peasants and all the servants with their masks on. And you know, they're all yeah. like this, this delineation of, of, you know, them versus us. We are the upper class, the, the capital, again, the hunger games, capital city where the special people live mm-hmm. and, and, and they have these special privileges, the mandates versus the unmandated. Well, hold on, guys. The, the, the LA County department of health said it was okay. If you're a performer, if you're classified as a performer, uh, then the COVID doesn't affect you. Yeah. Cause that makes entirely sense that, uh, you know, COVID, it, COVID sits there and says, you know what? You guys are having a special night. I know you all work very hard and you're entertainers and you're people that we want to recognize. So we're going to take a night off as the virus because we understand this is a big night for you and we're not going to spread or anything like that during this event. And you get a free pass for tonight and we'll just take the night off. So thank you very much. But they're the same ones doing their public service announcements about getting, you know, getting vaccinated. Like they're pushing their... 
these are the people that are pushing this on everybody else, but they're living a separate life. And it's, it's so obvious but people will make excuses for them. They'll, they'll, and you know what the hip, the hip, the hypocrisy of the whole thing is. These are the same people that refuse to get the jab from Harry, uh, Harvey Weinstein, and and you know, <laughs> oh damn, <laughs> the idea yeah, demonetized they, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Not that we're monetized anyway, but yeah, yeah. yeah but if the, we were, the, the 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 funny point on that, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you know, you know, she was wearing the dress. Obviously, you know, everyone in the background, the help, right, was yeah. all masked up because they weren't classified as performers. But that you know, the person that made the dress, you know, you know, tax the rich. Did you guys hear that she owes like a hundred fifty k in back taxes? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she just turned around and said. For a write off on the dress, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing that kills me about these people, right? Like, tax the rich. That you are the rich. Why aren't you giving? Last time I checked, you could just write a check to the IRS and just send it in. And and there's actually an address that you can do that. It for. is, you I, know. And if they drain more money from the economy, the Fed would be able to print more money to help these poor people. So what the hell is going on? God. <laughs> Modern MMT. <laughs> It's, oh, it's insane. Uh, I don't know. It's it. it this is again. We, we were going long tonight, but there's the, this is it, guys. I mean, you know, we 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 talk about this thing, and you know, th- this has been a fun exercise as you know, being involved with the liberty movement here in Rhode Island and the United States in general. And it was kind of a, you know, it was it was it was important. It was something we believed in, and it was something that we 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 cared about. And obviously, we put our our, our names and our, our our on the line and, and our time and effort and everything that goes along with it. But you know, ever since you know everything with this COVID regime that's taken over, it, it's just put a fine point into everything that we are are fighting against in this state and in this country and what we're trying to stop. And we need more people to get involved. If you're sick and tired of this, your kids being kept home from daycare or school and you're not being able to go to work because you know you're you're dealing with it with staying home because of ridiculous mandates that don't make any sense if if your kids going to school and not learning what they're I mean Christ what everybody's paying for them to be learning for there if you're uh, somebody who has a kid that's going to school or you're a kid in college and you're paying thousands tens of thousands of dollars to get a college education and you're getting online zoom classes like i mean we need you to stand up if you have the ability you know civil disobedience massive non-compliance we need that if you can't get involved with the party get involved with liberty ri i mean hell come 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 on the podcast we'll love to have you on you know call us up like do anything just 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 get involved do something yeah we we had some um, a decent level of success actually with the uh, and the and the mandates ri dot com yeah um, a new sign up we just had a form there for people to sign up we will be reaching out here in the next couple of days for sure um, uh, we got a little pushback on that I think on an Instagram post I saw I saw that. Um, somebody saying, you know, how, you know, why separate all the different groups? We're not trying to do that. We're trying to bring everything together. So everybody's coordinated. Like, look, we are coming from a libertarian perspective. There's no doubt about that. And you might have a conservative group that's, that's pushing, a, 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 we can work together. We're not going to be, you know, 
probably on the same page on every every issue, but there but needs to be... This is the most important yeah, issue yeah. right now. And, and there needs to be a libertarian representation of, of that. So, so to say that there's only needs to be one group is nonsense. The more groups, the better, actually. Yeah. Like it, you increase your footprint and it looks like, a, it not looks, but it is a bigger movement at that point. Yeah. And you've got different groups of people fighting different or fighting the same um uh, for the same cause. So, so that, that's not, and of course the person's anonymous. So you take that with a grain of salt, but, uh, yeah, but you know, the cause at this point, right. You know, just to echo some of the things Mike said is, is just to be able to live your life. Like that shouldn't mm. be too much to ask for, but at this point, the government has overstepped, they've overstepped way before COVID happened. We all know that, but yep. that type of thing has just become so much more amplified in such a rapid period of time. And we will never be able to really quantify the the effects of, of these policy decisions no. on, on our generation, on the next generation or, or you know, our, our grandkids. So it is really concerning. And it, and if you, if you're sick of it, if you just want to be able to live your life, you know, definitely reach out. I, I think that, you know, whatever you want to put your energy into, we could point you in the right right direction. Yep. We, we need people to just step up and start getting so pissed off that they, they just can't, you know, they, they've got to get involved. And look, we understand that everybody's got a life and they've got work and they've got kids and they've got, you know, soccer practice. Well, kind of, I don't even know how they're even allowed to do that anymore, but you, you know what I'm saying? So, but at this point, how much oppression can you, you know, stomach before you just have to say, okay, I, I, I've got to, I've got to put some 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 skin in the game and reach out to us. Like Sean said, reach out to us. We'll, we, at the very least we connect. Maybe we get a, 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 you know, a group together. We go out for beers and, and, and share ideas and, and come up with some, some, um, some plans to, 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 you know, fight the system, so to speak. <laughs> but so libertyri.com slash connect. That's where you can, you know, there's a, you can send us an email, contact us through our social media. Please, 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 please do. And then libertyri.net which is a censorship-free zone. Okay. Like you don't have to worry about getting, a, you know, your message out there. Can, we can, can I say something about sure. LibertyRI.net? Um, my, my, I started, my Facebook app started going on the fritz on my phone. And so I uninstalled it and reinstalled it, and it was going on the fritz again. So I uninstalled it again, and I was looking online what the hell was going on. And do you realize that when you install Facebook on your phone, even when you uninstall the app, there's about two or three other applications for Facebook that stay on your phone background. forever. I'm sure. They don't go away. It's like Facebook services. It's like the Google likes, and this may be different from iOS, like I have Android, but whatever. But but what I'm getting at is that I, I was having problems with it. I was having, I deleted it off my phone. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm focused more on libertyri.net. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's the only thing that's available on my phone. That's what I'm going to be posting yeah. to. So we just, I just actually today, earlier today, I didn't, I didn't realize we didn't put a group up there, um, but that's one of the messages we'll be sending out to the uh, people who signed up for the end, the mandates RI. So there's a group there now. Uh, it's okay. a, it's a discussion group, uh, just like groups on Facebook, same very, very similar, but uh, not, not. It's controlled um, by us. We, 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 we have full, full control over that, and, and we're not going to no, control you. That, well, that's that's the other <laughs> thing, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you guys got any, uh, any other? Uh, Dude, these these people suck. We got to do something <laughs> about it. God, come on. <laughs> Got to do something. That's, you know, that's exactly right. You know, yeah, it, we see what's going on right now. And you might not think, well, my kids can still go to school. We can still go to their restaurant. It's not affecting me right now. Look at the people in Australia. Look at the people in the yeah. Netherlands and France where you're not even allowed to sit outside of a restaurant and eat. This is a seasonal and a regional virus. 
We just had the increase in the uptick in the south because it's hot in the south and they go inside because air conditioning in the, the summertime. We are going to see an increase in the northeast corridor significantly over the next few months. And I will say it right now on this podcast that you are going to see every single elected official try to use it as a justification to enforce more restrictions and more mandates down your throats. And it's imperative that we stand up and we draw the line in the sand and say, this is it. We're not doing anymore. We're going back to normal. We're not accepting anymore. They already said that the General Assembly is not coming back into session this fall. We, we cannot allow them to take more and more of our freedoms away. Yeah, these people can't even fill a pothole. No. Like, yeah. Let's let's phrase it they back to that. They can't spend money that the federal government gives them for COVID relief. Like, think about that. There are millions of dollars that are earmarked for Rhode Island aid to to people that are in desperate need who have been impacted by COVID. And the government in Rhode Island is not efficient enough to figure out how to get that money to the people that need it the most. Yeah. yeah. So. Do something. And it's your money, <laughs> by the way. Right. They already stole it from you. They're just going to give it back to you. We, we haven't said it enough, and I'm on uh, whatever now. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm on, taxation I'm is Beer theft. number three. Yeah, exactly. In, in case anyone was wondering. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, I, I, I'm kind of anxious to see if, like, speakeasies type things start... Like, businesses, if the, if the restrictions get bad again, if businesses start saying, screw you, like, come in the back door. We'll, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll post about them on we'll, LibertyRI.net. We, we'll, Again, you get LibertyRI.net, you set up a private group and we can all coordinate in there and nobody's going to know. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, that's a wrap for us. So. Went, went long. Thanks everybody for sticking with us. Yeah. A little bit, um, a lot of necessary things said today though. Um, as always, subscribe to us on uh, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major podcatchers out there. Um, rate and, and leave us a review. Again, connect with us through um, libertyri.com slash connect. And of course, again, can't say it enough, libertyri.net. Um, and we're on you know, all, the, all the other social media as well. So definitely reach out to us. We need to uh, we need to step it up. Absolutely. And I don't think there are too many people in Rhode Island talking about this type of thing, at least in this type of platform, right? So the you know, the more that we can try to get get the word out, you know, either through social media or sharing this podcast with a friend, you know, I think this is this is where we can try to gain some ground and, and try to just live our lives again. Yeah, there's certainly nobody talking about it like as unfiltered as we are. And that's, you know. And if any state could use less government God knows it's Rhode Island. Yeah. So let's go. I'll drink to that. All right. Till next time, everybody take care. All right. See Peace you next out. time. You've been listening to the Rhode Island Liberty Report. Be sure to check us out at libertyri.com.